Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning, everyone. Has everybody had your coffee this morning? All right, good. Just want to make sure. Does anybody else believe that we could fill the Verizon Center someday with 10,000 young people? All right, well, that was, like, cute. But I'm saying, like, does anybody really believe that we could fill the Verizon one day with 10,000 young people? Come on, lift up a shout. There's a man in the Bible. He was a blind man. And he, um, he was on the street. And he heard that Jesus was about to pass by. Somebody told him Jesus is passing by. And he shouted the name of Jesus so loud And you know what? All the people around him were like, shh, shh, quiet down. Don't don't scream the name of Jesus. You're embarrassing yourself. And the Bible says that he screamed so much louder the name of Jesus because he was desperate for a touch from God. He, He didn't care if anyone was telling him to be quiet or to shut up or why are you being so loud? He just screamed his face off. Jesus, have mercy on me. And you know what? Jesus stopped what he was doing, turned to this man and said, what is it that you want? And this man said, Lord, have mercy on me. I want to see. And Jesus said, it's your faith that has healed you. And he opens his eyes. And the Bible says that this man then followed Jesus. Come on, is there anybody here that is desperate for a touch from God this morning? anybody come on let's stand up let's stand up listen sometimes we um we worship our hearts out when the band is up here right we just like sing our hardest and hopefully nobody else can hear how bad we're singing at least that's that's for me I can hear Mark singing off key in the front row no I'm just kidding And we sing our hearts out during worship, but then we think for some reason that that worship ends when the band gets off the stage. But that's not true. Worship's a lifestyle. And I don't know, is there anybody here that is desperate for a touch from Jesus because Jesus is about to pass by? Come on, let's lift up a shout if you need a touch from Jesus this morning. Yes, come on, Jesus, we need you. I couldn't agree with, with Pastor Mark more that, that we need revival in our lives and in our nation. We are desperate for a touch from Jesus, not just for ourselves, but for our entire nation. And I just believe that we are the answer to that. See, revival isn't just going to fall from the sky one day. Revival is when we are awakened to who we are in him. And so, would you just pray with me? I want to just take a moment and just to pray that we would be awakened ourselves. Not just for ourselves, though, for our nation. Go ahead and just pray out loud with me. Just speak it out. Let's just call revival to our nation. God, we just thank you so much that you are still on the throne. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, we just ask you to come and move and to reign and to have your way in this service, in our lives, in our nation. We are desperate for a move of God. We are desperate for a touch from heaven. 
Oh God, we're desperate for the world to see Jesus. And so we call on heaven this morning as the body of Christ. As the body of Christ, we come together and we just claim our nation for you. And God, we just give you this service. And we say that whatever you want to speak to us, we give you permission. Whatever you want to rearrange in our lives, we give you permission. Whatever you want to do for the rest of this service, we give you permission. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah, come on. You can clap. You can shout. Worship's still happening. <laughs> now, I want to give you an opportunity because last week, for those of you who are here, I promised that I would give an opportunity for some testimonies. So last week we talked about not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. And so I want to know, what is God doing in your world? What is God doing in your life? How is God using you? Does, would anybody be bold enough as to share just maybe a 30-second testimony of how God is using you, maybe in your workplace, your family, on the street, whatever, wherever you go, whatever it may be. Is there anyone that would be... All right, right here. So Pastor Mark's going to just facilitate this. What do you think I'm going to take over? <laughs> He's going to pull it away in 30 seconds. Watch. Go. <laughs> um, God's really been stirring my heart, actually, for two years. And um, to, two years to do uh, something with abstinence training. And um, I haven't been able to get a resource to do it, but... Um, Kathy from uh, CareNet put me in touch with a woman in Haverhill, Mass, and she sent me to a website in Colorado. So um, I'm going to uh, sign up to take a, an online course, and then uh, when they have their next training, go there so I can be certified to bring it to New England because it seems yeah. like it's not happening yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty excited about it. Can I just say one thing for last night? I know it's over the 30 seconds. We were praying in Manchester last night for the police, um, and God just immediately stirred my heart that we should go to the Manchester police station. So after service, seven of us went down there, and we prayed outside the police station for not only the Manchester police, but the police everywhere and the people who have, the police who have been killed and the, the victims and, you know, just everybody, and, and to lift our country up to get rid of the hatred and the division. And, but God's plan wasn't just for that. We went into the police station to just let them know that we're, we care about them and we're praying for them. And there was this family sitting in there. And I believe that's why he sent us there. Because it was a man and a woman and her niece. And they were there because this man hasn't seen his daughter in two years. Because the mother hasn't responded and they couldn't find her. She's a drug addict. The girl's not in a great situation. So... Um, his what now wife found out where she is, so they sent the police there to hopefully rescue this girl. So God sent us there to lift this family up and pray for them and to continue to pray for their daughter. And if everyone would lift them up, their names are Stanley is the dad, Julie is his uh, wife and the girl's stepmom, and the daughter's name is Brooklyn. So if you would all keep them in prayer so this girl can be taken out of this you know, terrible situation she's in going from place to place and you know, who knows what. That would be wonderful. Thank wow, that's Thank incredible. You. Come on, that's amazing. So good. Is there anybody else that would like to share something God's doing in your world? All right, right here. Um, 
a journal in Manchester at a Dunkin' Donuts on Tuesday morning, and we met a bunch of guys that they call themselves the French group. And one day I was talking to one of the gentlemen, and he said, I was abused by a priest, and I don't talk to God. But then one day he came in, he was very ill, and he asked us to pray for him. So we went right over and prayed with him, and he said, no, no, not here. Just pray for me. So we prayed with him, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. He hasn't been at the Dunkin' Donuts for two months. But we've continued to pray, and I saw him Tuesday and found out he just had back surgery, but he told me that he prays every night now, and sometimes he even falls asleep praying, and he knows God loves him. So good. It's awesome. So good. Maybe one more? Is anybody else? The brave ones, the bold ones. Oh, right here. All right, Diane. Okay, this is, this is a little different. <laughs> um, God has been working a lot in my life over the last couple of years, and I've been, in the last many months, just surrendering more than I ever have and asking him to use me every day. And I guess I'm going to ask you guys to pray for me because yesterday I was at the airport uh, coming back from California, and God did attempt to use me twice. Twice, I witnessed people who were in pain. And I could hear him telling me to go over and ask to pray for them. And I didn't do it. I prayed for them in in my heart, and I prayed for them silently. But I want to be bold enough and have the confidence to go up to a total stranger in a crowd and say, can I pray for you? So I'm asking him to use me, and he's trying, and I'm just, (laughs) I just need a little more. Yeah, can we pray right now? Yeah. yeah. And I think you represent a lot of us. Yeah. And so this is a prayer for you, but it's a prayer for all of us as well. Yeah. So, Lord, I just thank you for Diane, and I just thank you that uh, she has the courage to even place herself in a, a place of being vulnerable before others and saying, I want more of you, but I want the courage to do the things that I know that the Holy Spirit is whispering. So, Father, I pray for Diane, and I pray for everybody else here that we would, we would respond to when that still, small voice comes knocking on our heart and said, Will you? Will you? And actually, I feel right now, Diane, that you are to pray for all of us as well. Oh. Uh, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for pushing me to the limit, which I beg you to do every day. Um, we all need to be pushed. As Caitlin said, revival isn't going to fall from the sky. It comes from all of us. And I just ask, Lord, not only for courage and confidence in myself, but for everyone here, for everyone here to step out, step beyond the bounds, get out of the boat, and and walk on the water with him, because he's calling each one of us. He's calling each one of us, and it's all for you, Lord, all for you, all the praise and all the glory to you all the time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So awesome the way God works. This message is, ties right in line with that. So I'm so excited. This word has been burning in me for the last week as I've been preparing. I would be sitting and hanging out with Phil, and he's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I'm thinking about James chapter 2. <laughs> the next day, what are you thinking? I'm thinking about James chapter 2. He's like, don't you think about anything else but James chapter 2. But... How many of you know when you get into the word, the word just wrecks you? 
It's, I've been so convicted. I've been so convicted. I've been on my face just like, Lord, forgive me. Because sometimes we have these mindsets. And, and we need the word to come in and to correct our wrong mindsets. Amen? So turn with me to James chapter 2, my new best friend. And we're going to start in the first four verses. Give you a second to turn there. Starting in verse 1, it says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? A couple months ago, we had... um, has anybody heard of uh, this little small church called the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City? <laughs> it's actually not a small church. It's a massive church. And um, that church is led by a pastor named um, Pastor Jim Simbola. And he was coming to this church to do a leadership one-day conference for pastors and leaders all over the state of New Hampshire. And Phil and I were very excited about this because we've watched some of his messages online and and we just think he's an incredible man of God and we've learned a lot from him. So we're excited about him coming. So Phil and I were back in our office. We were taking care of our, our baby, Kingsley, and we come out and everybody had come into the sanctuary for worship. And as we're getting our coffee and everything, we see Pastor Jim walk in the doors. And we just like, beeline it for Pastor Jim, like, oh, hi, Pastor Jim, like, how are you? Phil introduces himself, this is my wife, Kaylin, if there's absolutely anything you need today, just let us know. I said, you know, did you get your coffee? Um, Is there anything we can get you to eat? And he's like, no, I'm good, thanks. So I go, and I'm going to get him a bottle of water for when he's preaching, and I find out that we put his um, green room in one of our kids' classrooms, like, way in the back corner. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not right. Pastor Jim Simbola in the back corner. Like, we need to get him the best room possible. So I'm like, I go in and I open the conference room and cleaning up some stuff in there. And just, like, my mind is racing about, like, how can we make this man's stay here at Grace Capital Church the best stay ever? Like, this, we have to just, like, honor this man. So he he comes in. Of course, he sits in the front row and gives an amazing word and as I was preparing for this, God brought that to my, to my mind. And he said, you know, it wasn't wrong the way you treated him. He should be treated like that. He's a man of God. The Bible talks about honoring men of God. The problem is you didn't do that for anyone else. And I was like, whoa. He's like, you know, you went right over to him when he walked through the doors, but how many people did you just walk by? You didn't ask them if they needed a coffee. You didn't ask them, like, how can I make your day here the best it could possibly be? You just, you just walked right by them. And I was like, wow, you're right. I mean, how, what would we do if Tom Brady walked through these doors right now? How would we react? All right, guys, bring him in, Tom. Oh, just kidding. 
what would we do? I mean, we were at a youth conference last weekend, and um, I just th- some of the speakers came and they were going to do a book signing. There was a line out the door so that these teenage girls and boys could take a selfie with one of these preachers, get their book signed, and like say hello to them. Lines like an hour, hours long. And I was thinking, wow. See, we have a worldly point of view in the way we view people. See, the world, we, we like to see and know people that have a lot of power, a lot of influence. They are doing great things for God or for the world. They're famous. They're wealthy. They're rich. And Jesus is saying through James, that is not how I see people. That is not how I see people. See, you look at outward things, but I look at the heart. And so I had two questions for God as I was preparing for this message. And my first question was, why was James so passionate about this subject? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If I had five chapters in the Bible to write my best message that all of humanity would read until Jesus Christ returns, I don't know that this subject would have made my list. But it made James's. And I had to think, sometimes your biggest trial is your most powerful message. Your biggest trial becomes your most powerful message. Why? Because you made a mistake, you let God redeem it, and now he's using you to help others go through it. And that's exactly what James is doing here. So I did a little study on his life, on the life of James, and I don't have time to go into everything that I learned, but how fascinating that James is the brother of Jesus. I mean, that just blows my mind. What would it be like to grow up with Jesus Christ as your brother? So we learn in James, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 7, verse 5, that the brothers of Jesus did not believe that he was the son of God. It says it right there in in John chapter 7. It says there was a time when the festival was coming up where everyone would go to to Jerusalem, where his, his brothers said, hey Jesus, if you are claiming to be the son of God, if you're claiming to be something special, why don't you go to the festival and show yourself to everybody? They're saying to him, nobody who, who is trying to become a public figure acts in secret like you are. If you're trying to make a name for yourself, go to the festival, perform your signs and wonders, and then everybody will know that you are who you say you are. And then it says, for his own brothers did not believe in him. Wow, so we know that James grew up his whole life into his 30s not believing that Jesus was the Son of God. How on earth is that possible? Well, it's because Jesus, the Bible says that he never did anything before his appointed time. So that means they grew up in the same family, same parents, doing the same things, and yet Jesus chose, "I'm I'm not doing this the way the world does things. I'm not here to make a show for myself. I know what my father is telling me to do, and at the right time, I'm gonna show myself to the world. How many of you are thankful that Jesus Christ does not show favoritism. So fast forward to the cross. What must his brothers have thought when they see Jesus on the cross? 
probably what many other people thought. Like, I guess he wasn't who he said he was. Because our king, our savior, would not be dying on a cross right now. But I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it, this is Paul speaking, and he says that Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day, and after that, he appeared to Peter, to his disciples, to a crowd of 500 people, and then he appeared to James. And then he appeared to James. What would this have been like for James to not believe that Jesus was the Son of God? All of a sudden, Jesus shows up like, boom, resurrected Jesus, I told you. I'm sure he didn't say that. <laughs> but I would have like, yo, what up, bro? You didn't believe me, but here I am. So I just, I would love to see what this encounter was like between Jesus and James. And here's what I envision their conversation being about. Because we don't know how long they had to talk together, but we know that Jesus, it says that he spent his time talking with these people about the kingdom of God. I can picture Jesus saying this to James. James, I know you didn't believe me. I didn't come the way the world thought I was going to come. I didn't come with riches and glory and fame. I didn't come making a show of who I was or what I could do. I didn't come with a lot of money. I didn't come as this famous public figure. I didn't come like that. And because of that, you almost missed me. You almost missed me because you were seeing things through the world's point of view, and I didn't come the way you thought I was going to come. I can see James just like falling on his face like, oh, I'm so sorry, repenting, crying. But I see Jesus saying this to him, James, listen to me. You are called to be a pillar in the house of God. You are going to be a leader. You, people are going to look to you. You're going to be one of the main ones that advances my church. Do not forget this one thing. Everything that I just went through on the cross, the way that I was beaten, the way that I suffered, the way that I was whipped and crucified, it was not for one people group. It was not for one type of person. It wasn't just for the rich. It wasn't just for the powerful. It wasn't just for the influential. It was for the rich and the poor black and white, Baptist and Foursquare, come on, every type of people group that exists on this planet, Jesus said, I care about those people. I see them as honorable, and I was willing to go to the cross for them. So don't you dare, don't you dare decide who you think is worthy of honor and who you think is not. Jesus decided who was worthy of honor, and he decided it was everyone. And James, he got that because he wrote about it to all of us. And that became his testimony because he said, you know what? I almost missed the Savior of the world. I wonder how many of us miss the miraculous because we walk right by the mundane. How many of us miss the miraculous because we walk right by the mundane? How many people have I walked right by on the street where God was whispering to me, just like you, Diane, whispering to me, come on, pray for that person. 
I'm going to do something powerful. I'm going to do something miraculous, but I just walk by. Why? Because I'm afraid or I don't know what they're going to say. They might reject me. And yet I just missed a miraculous moment because I walked right by the mundane. Yet someone influential comes in and I just run right over them. Hey, how are you? Whoa, that's not the heart of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that Jesus thought that I was worth dying for because I haven't done much stuff to become famous. I'm not that good looking and I don't have a lot of money, but Jesus said, you're still worth it. That is good news to us. That is good news to us. In verse 13, it says, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. When I first came on staff here um, four years ago, I was 23 and very deceived. When you're deceived, you don't know that you're broken because you just think like, yeah, I'm good. That's why it's called being deceived. That's why you need people in your life to help point out stuff in your life, not to condemn you and make you feel bad about yourself, but to say, come on, I want to bring you to wholeness. So when I um, first came on here, I was, you know, getting into ministry and And God began to reveal some things that were in my heart, like sin issues in my life that were not okay. And um, I remember there's this one Wednesday, I will never forget it, I was supposed to come on this platform and preach to the youth about getting free from sin. And the person that I was sharing everything with at the time, she said to me, she knew my struggles, she knew what I was going through, and she said to me, don't you dare get up on that stage and preach to the youth about getting free from sin when you yourself aren't free from sin. And I just broke down in tears. She said, you need to confess to your pastors some of the things that you've been been doing because you're living a double life right now. And I was like, oh my God, like the thought of confessing anything, especially to my pastors, I was like scared And I just wept and wept. Like, you know the kind of ugly cry where you look like you got hit by a bus? That was what I was doing. And yet I'm supposed to get up on this stage and preach a message. And so um, Pastor Kevin and Kim were, they walked through the doors and I knew that I needed to talk to them. And um, they're like looking at me like, are you okay? Like, you're scaring me. What's happening? And so I just told them like, I just, you know, when you just kind of like, word vomit on somebody, you just kind of like, blah, and they're like, whoa, just calm down. I'm like, I'm such a hypocrite. I cannot get up on that platform and share any kind of message. I've been living in sin. I'm living this double life. Like, I I just, I, like, I can't do this anymore. And they're like, okay, well, calm down. Like, we give you permission to give your message. Let's meet tomorrow, and we'll talk about it. So I'm like, okay, so after I leave the church, I go home, and um, I am just rehearsing how this is going to go in my mind. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell them everything that's been happening and I'm going to be fired. Like I just preached my last message that I will ever preach in my entire life. I'm going to be fired. My calling's over. Like I just totally screwed this whole thing up. God's plan for my life. And um, I'm just going through how this thing is going to go. I go into their office and I tell them everything because here's the thing. I decided that I care more about being free 
than I care about having a job. I care more about being free than I even care about my own calling. Because when I live right and clean before God, he's got my back. So I was honest and transparent. And I was ready to be fired. And then I encountered the mercy of Jesus. The mercy of Jesus. The mercy of Jesus is when you don't get something that you do deserve. I deserve to be fired. I don't deserve to be on this stage right now. I don't deserve to be here. But God showed me mercy in that moment. And you know what? I'm so thankful for leaders and for a God who doesn't just say, go get your act together and then you can come and serve me. No, no, no. He says, just come serve me now and as we're going, you're going to be healed. You're going to be set free as you're going. I'm so amazed at the ministry team that Jesus picked. Do you think that he didn't know what Judas was going to do when he picked him? That Judas was going to be a liar, a cheater, that he was ultimately going to be so two-faced that he would betray Jesus to the people that would then kill him. Do you think he didn't know that in advance, yet he picked him to be on his ministry team? Do you think he didn't know Peter was going to deny him and turn his back on him, and ultimately all the disciples would do the same thing, even though they all claimed like, oh, Jesus, we would die for you. Do you think he didn't know that in advance? Yet he picked them for his ministry team. Church, if we're waiting to have it all together before we do something for God, it's never going to happen. We're never going to be perfect enough. We're never going to have enough money. We're just never going to get in that place. We just have to start now. And as we're going, Jesus is going to do something miraculous in our lives. Listen, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says, I just, I just picture him like accusing the church all day long. She's not good enough. He's not good enough. Look what you did. How dare you come into church and worship? You're such a hypocrite. Blah, blah, blah. He's accusing the brethren all day long. But I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, just saying, eh, nope, already covered that one. They're free. They're saved. They're set free. I'm healing them right now. They're going to be whole. Stop it. And just, he just shuts up in that moment. Worship team, you can come. I am so thankful for a God who has the right to judge, but chooses mercy. He's got the right to judge. Let's face it, we should have been on that cross. We should be the ones on the cross. We deserve that. We messed up. We turn our backs on God. We should be the ones on the cross. But listen, Jesus, he didn't just die for us. He died as us. He died as us. Like, we should have been there. But he decided to show mercy. And he's saying, who are you? To not show mercy. Maybe if we're having a hard time showing mercy to other people, we just need a better and deeper, more real revelation of the fact that he showed us mercy first. Because when we know that love, when we've received that love, we can then extend mercy. The, the book of James then transitions. It transitions into talking about faith without works, faith without works, 
being dead. And I thought, this was my second question for God. What does this have to do with showing favoritism? (laughs) They seem like two different messages. I almost just picked one portion. But God said, no, 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 they go together. And he said, because when you understand that you've been given mercy, you can't help but do good works for God. When you understand what Jesus has done for you, you can't help but do good works for God. Listen, we don't do good works to earn God's favor. We do good works because we're favored. It's because we're already favored. That's what compels us to do good works. See, we, we're never good enough to do these good works to earn God's love. He already loves us. And he displayed it when he took our place on the cross. But there was a season in my life where he asked me to go through my belief system. And he asked me, Kaylin, if you really believe these things, then your life is gonna line up with it. Church, I believe that we are going to be unstoppable, that we are gonna take over the city of Concord and Pembroke in this whole state of New Hampshire when our actions start lining up with what we say we believe. Oh, so, so every person in here would say, I believe that God is a healer. But yet how many times do we see someone that needs healing and we just walk right by? Really? Do you really believe in the word when it said that every person that came to Jesus was healed? Do we believe that that could be true today? Well, what if they don't get healed? Well, what if they do? What if they do? Oh, I believe that God's my provider, praise God. Well then, Kaylin, why do you have such a hard time being generous? It's getting silent up in here. For real, if you believe that that God is your provider, that the storehouses of heaven are open to you, that there is not one thing that your Father in heaven lacks, then why do we have a hard time giving and being generous? Come on, faith has to have works. Oh, God showed me a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, you always think about um, how the Bible says that you can't have two masters. You either obey one and hate the other or vice versa. Do not serve money. You don't serve money. You serve God. But I always thought about it in a different way. But he said to me, Kaylin, if I tell you to do something and you don't do it because you check your bank account and there's not enough in there, then you've become a servant of money. When God asks you to give something and you just say, well, I don't, I don't have enough. Really what God's saying is when you give, I'm going to do the miraculous and I'm going to give you what you need. He promises us that we will never be begging bread because we are children of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Oh, I believe he's a good father. Well, then why are you anxious? Why are you discouraged? Why are you afraid? These are things he's saying to me. And here's my favorite. If you really believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, then why don't you share it? Why don't you share it? See, I believe that we need to come and be real with ourselves. We cannot mentally assent to things. We cannot say, yeah, I believe that that's true. It's in the word. Obviously, it's true. 
No, no, it has to be so true to us that it becomes part of us, that we live it, that we breathe it, that we do it. And like I said, I believe we are going to be so powerful as a church when our actions and our works start lining up because of the mercy that we have first received. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for um, anybody in here that has never received the mercy of Jesus Christ through salvation. If that's you this morning, if you're here today and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, I believe that what you're saying is true, that Jesus Christ took my place on the cross so that I could live. Would you just slip up your hand? If there's anybody in here, thank you. And I want you to just say, I, I just surrender to you, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you everything that I am. And I thank you that we've just begun a journey of being transformed. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for anyone in here that you are saved, but you've been holding some things in because you're afraid of judgment. And today, God is going to show you the mercy of Jesus by telling you, I'm not going to give up on you. I know what you did, but I've already forgiven it. If that's you and you need the mercy of Jesus this morning, would you just slip up your hand? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Right now, I believe that you are setting people free from things that have bound them, maybe for years and years and years. They've never told a soul. But right now, Jesus, you're saying to them, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. And you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to stay home and try to clean yourself up before you can be used by me. I'm going to use you right now. And as we're going, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to set you free. Yeah, just continue to receive his love and his mercy right now. And if there's anybody in here that's like me and like Diane, who just says, I want to be used by God. I want to have eyes to see these people that you see as worthy to not just walk by, but to stop and to be obedient and to not be afraid. If that's you, would you just lift your hands? God, you see your people here and we need you because we are too afraid on our own. And so right now we ask for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit that comes with boldness and power. And Lord, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see those that you want us to stop for, that you would give us words to encourage those who need encouragement. God, that we will not see people from the way the world sees people. We will see all people as honorable. God, use us this morning change us, allow our beliefs and our works to align that we would be powerful for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Let's lift up a shout of praise because he's a merciful God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 